You're listening to an audio sermon by Pastor Bernard Milder from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. Are you ready for the Word of God? Are you ready to reset your faith about what you believe about God the Father? How much He loves you? Well, I've got a message that's going to really challenge you. Are you ready for the Word? Well, let's do the declaration. If you're visiting with us for the first time, just please stand to your feet. We do things a little bit different here. We do the declaration. And I was thinking about it. God gave me this January 2006. We've been making this declaration in the church from January 2006. And this is just the word of God. And just from this declaration, we have many testimonies where we can keep you busy for a week of people just declaring the word of God. Amen. So are you ready? Let's do the declaration. One, two, three. I'm a son of God revealed. I'm blessed with every blessing in Christ Jesus. I'm saved. I'm healed. I'm delivered. I'm a life-giving spirit. I accept his sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection power in my life. I'm bound to his word and can do what it says I can do. I receive the word with meekness and I'm changed from glory to glory. I have the God kind of faith. I'm the righteousness of God and will never be the same. Jesus Christ is my Lord. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. As you take your seat, turn to the person next to you and say to them, your smile looks better than the last time I saw you. Keep on smiling. I know you have a lot of things to be happy about. Amen. Family, listen to me. You might be facing some challenges and some difficulties. But when you know your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, there's reason for you to rejoice. There's reason for you to be happy. Heaven is aware of you. Many of us find it very easy to identify with Jesus because Jesus died on the cross for us. It's easy to identify with the Holy Spirit because he's our comforter, he's our helper. He's the one who strengthens us. But sometimes it's very difficult to identify with God the Father. Maybe... You grew up without a dad. Maybe you had a father, but he was absent. Maybe you and your dad just had a lot of conflict. Don't raise your hand, whatever the reason. Many times we have difficulties in identifying, relating to God the Father, because of our own experiences. But the Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave. God the Father is motivated by his love that is God for you. From the beginning, God had a plan for your life. Maybe you've felt rejection from a parent, but I want to tell you from the beginning, our Heavenly Father's plan was to include you to be a part of heaven. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're destined for heaven. Whether you like it or not. Whether you make it is up to you, not God. Amen? God is a God of love. God is a God of love. We often have so much fear in our hearts. Jesus came to reveal the Father to us. 
Jesus had one assignment when he came to this earth, when the word manifested, it became flesh and we saw the glory, the glory of the only begotten was to reveal the name of the Father to us. In John 17, when Jesus was praying, he says, I have come to manifest your name. Jesus came to this earth to show us the Father. Many times we think Jesus will help me, but I wonder if the Father will help me. But Jesus said, if you want to pray, you have to pray to the Father in my name. Everything Jesus did on this earth, the Father was prepared to do it. But to demonstrate his love, he sent his Son. Just think about that for one minute. If you have children, nobody touch my children. I think moms are sometimes even worse than dads. Amen. Let me see your hand, mommy. Yes. <laughs> Don't worry about the father. Worry about the mother. Jesus said, I've come to manifest your name. Says all of them, I've kept them because of your name. This was Jesus' whole assignment. You're on earth. Turn to the person next to you, say, The Father loves you. Just as much as what Jesus loves you. John 17 says, I kept them in your name. How does Jesus keep us safe? In the name of the Father. God the Father said to Abraham, I will be your shield. I will be your protection. I will be your exceedingly great reward. He keeps us, protects us through his name, the name of Jesus. A strong tower, a place of refuge. Can I tell you something? When God the Father sent Jesus to this earth, he was thinking about you and he was thinking about me. Because he loves you so much. Romans 8 says we don't have to approach God with this spirit of fear. Because in it there's bondage. But because he has adopted us, because of this adoption, we can cry out, Abba Father. You know what's so amazing? They never changed the word Abba there, just to Father. They left it as Abba. Because that's still the way, the custom that they greet each other, Hebrews, Abba. It's, it's not hello Father, it's Daddy. My kids, when they were smaller, well, they still call me like that. But when they're smaller and there was a, something happening in the room, it's not, Father, can thou have come to me? No. Daddy, Daddy, Dad! <laughs> it's that intimate call that knowing that your dad loves you and he's going to hear and he's going to jump up. And he's going to be there to come and help you and tell you what's going on. Because you love them. Amen? I think one of our greatest needs in our society today, fathers, 
more than fathers, daddies, dads. Amen? We have a responsibility as a church to be fathers to the fatherless. A school where we were involved in, when we started there, only 25% of the children in the school had both their parents, were living with both their parents. 25%. Within four years, that figure had gone to below 20%. It means people find themselves, children find themselves in broken homes. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. Amen. We're finishing our book now, Relationship Under Repair. And it will be available. Because there's so many relationships that need repair. That's been broken. Amen. I love what Jeremiah 17 says, verse 14. The message says, God, pick up the pieces. Put me back together again. Am I talking to the right people here? Is that a prayer you would like to pray? God, pick up the pieces. I'm at a place where I'm so broken. I don't know how this is going to fit together. How is everything going to find its rightful place? Just put me back together again. This is why Jesus came to this earth to heal the broken hearted. If your heart has been broken, God loved you so much that he sent Jesus to come and die for you and for me. I want to share a little bit this morning on the lost son, the prodigal son. And the first thing that we should know about this story that Jesus is telling is that it's not one of his disciples, but it's Jesus himself saying, I want to tell you about the heart of the Father. The heart of the Father. This will bring me to our sermon topic for today, the heart of the Father. Because if you know the heart of somebody, you know their motive. Sometimes when you've done something that's wrong, you'll say, but that wasn't my heart. Let me see your hand if you've ever done that. It wasn't my heart to do that. Somewhere along the line, the picture of God the Father is one who is angry with all of mankind, who wants to sort you out, who wants to punish you, who is ready just to bring judgment upon you. But Jesus says, I want to tell you a story here of a father. And he actually starts and he says, there's two brothers, an older brother and a younger brother. And the younger brother had this revelation to say, you know what? I'm done with this. I want my inheritance. And what he was actually saying is, he was saying to his dad, I wish you were dead. I wish you were not around anymore that I can just get what's mine. So that I don't have to live with you, but I can go do what I want to do. And the father said, fine. And he divided it. And in their custom, the, the oldest brother would get a double portion. So he would get a third and the older brother got two thirds. And he's off on his way. And you know the story. He squanders everything. And then he gets to a place where 
he realizes, okay, well, things are not working out anymore. As a Hebrew man in between the pigs, that's, that's the worst of the worst of the worst of being degraded to the lowest. And he says, okay, let me go back. You know, and sometimes when we have our own way of thinking, we're thinking, okay, this little boy will come back, but when he comes back, I'm going to make him suffer. I'm just going to remind him what a stupid, idiotic mistake he made. You think it's going to be easy? It's not going to be easy. I'm going to make it difficult for you. Don't raise your hand if you've ever <laughs> had things. We're talking about good motives in the heart here. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. Let me show you something. Let's read from verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? Let me just submit this to you. His motivation is not, let me go back to my loving father. His motivation to go back home because he's hungry. Many times, when people come back to the Father's house, it's not because they're in love with Jesus and they want to worship Him. They're coming to church because they're hungry for something. They have a need that they want met. Give the Lord a hand. Can I tell you something? That's okay with God the Father. It's okay with God the Father. If you come to His house and your motive is not I love you, Father. You're coming because you are hungry. Hunger pains are moving you. Oh, he's very clever. He knows how to play the game. He says, I will arise and go to my Father, and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. He's saying, I'm just going to say what I have to to get bread. Sometimes we do that with God. We'll say, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Father, but I'm hungry. Can I? Don't raise your hand. Because <laughs> God knows our heart. Amen. Verse 20. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him. Can I tell you something? God the Father is always looking at you. Even when you're a far way off, His eyes are upon you. David said, where can I go from your presence? And he had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Remember, he wanted to finish the sentence. He wanted to say, make me a servant. But before he could even say that, the father stopped him and said, but the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this, my son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Well, I was thinking about this as a father. 
he saw him a far way. When he was still far away, he saw him. It means every day he went out waiting for the son to return. He never wrote him off. Every relationship can be restored. There's no sin too great that cannot be forgiven. Do you know what? God died. Jesus died for all your sin. So sin is never the issue. He had compassion. He had a love for this son. Although he said, I wish you were dead, he still continued to love him. That's our father in heaven. The father, when he saw him, ran. Remember last week we shared as well, ran to the Ethiopian. I discovered that in, in the Jewish custom, when you reach 30, you're not allowed to run anymore. Maybe it was because you couldn't just run. You had to pick up your, your garment. Maybe it didn't look very dignified. I was thinking about David when he danced, and he said, I'll even become more undignified than that. But you know, when we're afar off and we're still thinking, I wonder if the Father will accept me. I wonder if the Father will embrace me. The Father started running towards his son. He didn't wait for him. He ran to him. We should have this kind of an attitude right now. Those that have wandered astray, those that are not coming to church anymore, don't let them run to us. Let us have that heart of the Father to run to those that have gone astray. He extended His love, His compassion to His Son. Amen? Some of you have been running away from some people. Amen? Don't raise your hand. Amen? Who have you been running from some people? No, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Amen? The love of God continues to go on and on and on. The Father loves you. You know what's the amazing thing here? The Father runs to him and he basically he falls on his son. He embraces him. Embraces him. And then he kisses him. Have you seen somebody who's got a little baby and they're just showering them with kisses? That's what he did here. He loved him. Can I tell you something? We would only show love and compassion if the brother had repented. This brother has not even repented or said anything. The father is running towards him. The father is hugging him. The father is kissing him. Showering him with love. Let our love cover a multitude of sins. You know, a kiss, a kiss shows that you're allowing intimacy or you're showing that I know this person. Judas kissed Jesus, but he betrayed Jesus. But when the Father kisses you, he's saying, there's peace between you and me. The book of Psalms says, your, your mercy and truth have married each other. The truth that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God 
That's the truth. But His mercy covers us. His mercy married us. When we hated Him and we wanted nothing to do with Him, He reconciled Himself to us. He says, your mercy has married the truth about me. I am guilty. I'm undeserving of your grace. I'm undeserving of your favor. But your mercy gives me that opportunity to experience God's favor and God's grace. Amen. Psalm says that righteousness and peace has kissed because God has placed his peace on the inside of us. We know we've become the righteousness of God. There can be peace. He who knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. What's the first thing that the Father did? He says, bring out the best robe and let's cover this boy with that robe. You know what we first say to people? Sort out your nonsense. You smell like a pig. Just get that, that smell. Just clean up. Jesus never did that. He said, if you're feeling tired, if you feel pulled down, if you feel heavy laden, come to me. He doesn't say fast. He doesn't say pray. He doesn't say, he says, just come to me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. But the yoke that we sometimes place upon people are so heavy that they say, if this is Christianity, I'm not going to serve God. It says, bring out the best robe. Today, we are clothed with Jesus. The armor of God that we have is not a battle array. The armor of God is to be clothed with Christ. The helmet of salvation. The righteous breastplate. Who's our righteousness? Jesus. Who's our salvation? Jesus. The belt of truth. Who's the truth? Jesus. Who's our shield of faith? Jesus. Who's the sword? Who's the word? Jesus. You know, I once sat in church because I came from a re religious background as well. I sat in church and I saw myself with the armor and nobody wanted to come close to me because I'm this warrior that's in battle mode. I just saw God removing that and clothing me with Christ. The robe of righteousness. Jeremiah 29 talks about put on righteousness, the robe of righteousness. Joseph had a robe. He was not the firstborn, but everybody knew because of that robe, he was loved. His father loved him. That love gave him a confidence to behave differently. Even when he was in prison, he behaved like a loved person. He behaved like somebody that's highly favored. When the angel appeared to Daniel, he said, greatly beloved. When you know that God loves you, your behavior, your speech, everything will change. The Father is the one who has clothed us with righteousness. He's the one who sent Jesus to die for you and for me. 
The mistake that we make in the church today is we clothe ourselves with religion. Religion is man's efforts to be in right standing with God. When Adam and Eve sinned, what did they do? They covered themselves with figs. Fig leaves. Amen? Sewed the fig leaves together. Fig, the fig tree speaks of religion. What tree did Jesus curse? He cursed the fig tree. Why? Because cursed is everybody who's under the law. Nathaniel, what did he say? He says, when I saw you under the fig tree, I saw you sitting under the law, but what I'm going to do is much greater than that in your life. And this is the battle, this is the mistake that we make. Isaac and Ishmael, the firstborn is the law. Their own efforts to fulfill God's purpose and promise in their life. God said it's not going to work. The covenant is with Isaac. The covenant is with Isaac. Ishmael bullied, was stronger, was older, was more experienced. But God said, it's not him, he is the promise. Jacob and Esau, exactly the same. Chose us grace and the law. Esau had it all together. He could go into the field, he could shoot the little buck, he could make the stew. Nothing wrong. Jacob, oh my word, deceiver, scheming, making plans, this way, that way. But what does God say? This is the Jacob generation that seek me, that will worship me. Why? Because he got to a place where he realized I cannot depend on my own strength and my own ability. It's all because of the grace of God. The older brother, the younger brother, the older brother exactly the same year. He's doing everything right. He's not missing a beat. It's the younger brother that messed up. Sometimes those that have messed up will come back. Don't let your heart become heavy and start to question God. Let's go to verse 22. Or let's read from verse 25. His oldest son was in the field, and he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing. He heard that there was rejoicing in the father's house. Can I tell you something? There should be rejoicing. Dancing and singing, that you can hear it. Sometimes you can hear the singing, but when you hear people dancing, then you know it's serious. Amen? We'll do some of that. Amen. Some that serious dancing. That's some jumping up and down. That's some rejoicing. That's making a noise. Who's upset? The older brother. Why this music? Why this dancing? He's expecting something that would make sense. But it doesn't make sense. And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Can I tell you something? Many people are not going into the father's house because they are angry. Because God has shown grace, forgiveness, 
loving kindness and mercy towards a brother. And you say, why? Then I'm not going to that church. That cannot be God. That cannot be the Father. You should be angry. There should be a lamenting, a repenting for a week before there'll be any dancing and rejoicing. Don't raise your hand. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. Wow. Father's not upset with him. This father says, let me go to the son and talk to him. So he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a goat that I might make, make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son, this one of yours came, not my, our brother, my brother, your son. But as soon as the son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and he is alive again, and was lost and is found. Can I say something? One of the greatest mistakes we make. This older brother came and he said, I've been serving you, but you've not shown love. That's what he's actually doing. And the father is saying, you've got it the wrong way around. We first love, then we serve. They look very similar. Galatians says, through love, serve one another don't serve because you love to show your love god so loved then he gave what if he gave to show his he said i've given jesus now and now you don't love me how would you feel he says that's not the thing motivating me first love then serve he's saying to him you're asking for a goat because you have the mindset of a servant. But you, my son, everything in this house belongs to you. Not just a goat, everything. He was saying to him, listen here, you're asking for a goat, everything is yours. You're not a servant here, I'm treating you like a son. We need to change our attitude. I was watching a video of Derek Redman. I don't know if you've seen it. In 1992, in the semifinals, 400s, he was, he was doing great. He was winning all the heats. And as in the semifinals, as he ran, at the 200-meter mark, he tore his hamstring. And he couldn't run any further. He just collapsed there. And then he got up, and he started, like, just running towards. But then his father came down and lifted him up and helped him to finish the race. And although the people, you know, cheered when the people ran over the finishing line, him and his dad got a standing ovation. Because it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Sometimes all of us, we pull a hamstring along the line, amen? But when the Father comes next to us and He lifts us up, He carries us through. Let's have that attitude that means somebody is hurting Let's lift them up and help them finish the race. Not say, oh, well, what have you done wrong that you've pulled your hamstring? No. Sometimes things happen 
in life. Our attitude is very important. Amen? Because Alexander the Great, he walked past somebody that was begging and he gave the guy gold coins. And one of the guys that was with him, he said, Alexander, some bronze coins would have done the job. And he said, the copper coins or the bronze coins may suit the beggar, but gold coins suit Alexander's giving. So sometimes we look, yes, give the Lord a hand. The father never looked at the son to see what he deserved, but he looked at the son with the love that he had in his heart. When God gives to us, it's according to his riches and his glory. He doesn't look at what you need or what you deserve. He gives to us according to his riches and glory. It's a message just in that for us. Don't treat people the way that they deserve. Don't even give according to what you see the need may be. Give according to his riches and glory. Amen? To have that kind of an attitude. When you realize how much God the Father loves Jesus, you will know how much he loves you. When you know how much God the Father loves Jesus, you'll know how much he loves you. I want to say this. The time that God the Father took in choosing a father for Jesus here on earth, because he's not a respecter of person, he's done exactly the same for you and for me. Maybe your dad has disappointed you, but we're not fatherless. We have a father in heaven. But the Bible teaches that Moses met with God face to face every day. We're not fatherless, even though we don't have a father. We can hear the voice of our father in heaven. This whole book about Luke 15, it's all about the lost being found. A shepherd having a hundred sheep, one going astray, finding it, saying, whatever you have to do to get that one, go and do it. And he rejoiced over it. The coins that went missing, coin has got an image. Remember what Jesus said? He said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. He was saying, what's in the image of Caesar, give it to Caesar. But what's in the image of God, give it to God. So don't live a life below the image that you were made in. You were made in the image of God. Amen? I want to close with this. God wants to heal the brokenhearted. That's why Jesus came. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me for this very purpose. To preach the gospel to the poor. To heal the broken hearted. If your heart is broken this morning, I want to tell you that heaven is aware of that broken heart. He's not just saying, I know you've got a broken heart. He wants to heal that broken heart. Psalm 69 Talking about Jesus on the cross, it says, reproach has broken my heart. And I'm full of heaviness. Jesus' heart on the cross was broken 
so that our hearts don't have to be broken anymore. His body was broken so that we can be whole today. He's here to comfort us. He's here to strengthen us. He's here to manifest the name of Jesus to us. Jesus loves you so much that he came to this earth to show us the more excellent way, the way of the Father. He said, I don't do anything here on earth unless I see my Father in heaven doing it. I want to encourage you this morning. If you've been running away from God the Father, run to him. He wants to restore every area in your life. Like what he did to the son. He gave him the robe. He gave him a ring, authority. Gave him sandals, not just ordinary sandals, special sandals. And restored every area of his life so that he could walk in dignity. Not be labeled as somebody that smells like a pig. But restored him, cleaned him up. Put a robe on him, a ring on his finger. Shoes. Killed the fatted calf. That's Jesus that died for us. He came to clothe you with righteousness. When you are clothed with God's righteousness, makes you aware of God's presence. Righteousness allows you to appear in God's presence. Jesus came to reveal the Father to you and to me. Precious Father, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy your tremendous grace that you have towards us. Thank you for sending Jesus to reveal your heart to us, that you love us so much, O oh Lord. Thank you, Lord, for always looking out for us. Thank you for always being ready to run to us, O oh Lord, to embrace us, to encompass us with your love, to shower us with your kisses, to restore unto us righteousness, to restore unto us authority, O oh Father. Put our shoes on our feet, O oh Lord. We thank you, O oh Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you for Jesus dying on the cross for us. And we give you praise for that. We thank you for that. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. I want this morning, I want you to put your right hand on your heart and raise your other hand to heaven. I want you to pray this prayer aloud after me. Say, Precious Father, my situation is beyond human means. I need the Savior of the world to save me save me Lord Jesus wash me with your blood cleanse me from all unrighteousness I confess with my mouth and I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ died for me that he's alive right now making intercession for all my weaknesses oh Holy Spirit help me to live a holy life well pleasing in your sight in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand. If you've prayed that prayer in humility and sincerity of heart, your sins are forgiven. Your past is over. Don't talk about your past anymore. Your past is Egypt. It's a place of defeat and failure. God is taking you out of Egypt into the promised land. Get in under that cloud. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Amen. I can give you some good advice. Find a living church and get submitted and committed in that church. If you're from around here, we want to take responsibility. Actually, I have to take responsibility to disciple you so that you can finish strong. That when you pull that hamstring, we're next to you to lift you up and you can still go over the finishing line. Amen. God wants to heal every area of your life. 
the brokenness in your heart. He wants to heal that. That's why He came to restore relationship. Amen. Has your faith been lifted? Are you going to shower some people with love this day on Father's Day? Just go and love them and show them not just the love of Jesus, but the love of God the Father. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website, www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ, loving God, loving people.